And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. Uh, This is Matt Watson, your host for the day. And today we are talking to Kirk Marple with Unstruck Data. Um, you know, as most of you know, I've been a software developer for the last 20 years and, uh, my last company was all about data. And so excited to have an interesting conversation today talking about data and all the things you can do with data. And I'm sure Kirk is going to tell us how to get more value out of all of our data. Um, but first I want to, um, let everybody know, um, about our sponsor today. Are you thinking about starting a new business or expanding a current one? If you are, then it's important to get it set up and maintained properly That's exactly what the folks at Universal Registered Agent do. LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps, nonprofits, no problem. Learn more by clicking the Universal Registered Agents link in the show notes. And yes, all of that shit is a pain in the ass to set up. And Kirk, I'm sure you would agree. Um, (laughs) Kirk, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to be here. So I guess... um, just before we start here, you said your background is, you know, in software developer yourself. So love to hear a little bit about your background and how you came to start uh, Unstruck Data. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really, it started out, I mean, even going to undergrad and grad for computer science um, back in the day. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, really kind of learning about, I mean, just software across, I mean, all kinds of different applications that I was working on that happened to just be in the media space. So worked on image processing applications, early video streaming, um, really it wasn't intentional, but I mean, kind of always centered around those kind of, uh, those kind of applications and then ended up uh, going to Microsoft after my master's. And that was a, I mean, a great experience and started some software companies after that. But yeah, it's always uh, kind of both been, I mean, on the business side is the last kind of 20 years, but really started out just purely as a dev and kind of grew into management and, and took off from there. I saw you worked at, or I saw you were from Seattle and I, I just assumed I'm like, he had to work at Microsoft or something <laughs> because I mean, especially now, I mean, that, I mean, I know you've yeah. been there for a while and in the industry for a while, but I mean, over the last like few years for sure, it's like anybody who works and in, in, lives in Seattle as either like worked at Amazon or Microsoft because they like hire like, Almost everybody. And they bounce Crazy. back and forth too. And that's, that's a funny thing. So yeah. yeah isn't I, it like 20% of everybody who lives in Seattle works at Amazon or it's like some stupid crazy stuff. It has to be a, a crazy number like that. It's, it's just insane. It's grown. I mean, I thought Microsoft used to be the beast here, but yeah, yeah. now it's, now it's Amazon. So how did, how did you, what gave you the idea to start Unstruck Data? Like where, what was the genesis of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, let me take you back a few years. So um, as I said, I mean, I've always kind of been in this media space. And then after Microsoft, I um, started a video transcoding company. And so it was kind of early days of web video, and then it kind of evolved into more broadcast focused video. So like every PBS station in the country had software that I wrote it in. And it was kind of where, I mean, I had, it wasn't, it's kind of interesting because it wasn't even intentional, but one of my first jobs out of college was working on image file formats. Like we were writing parsers for like TIFF files and fax files. That's and stuff super like that. nerdy. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, getting into like CCITT compression, I still remember. And but it was it was just something like it's a weird thread that I've always just had through my career of just dealing with file formats and parsing and metadata. And it's just like I've never gotten away with it, but it's just kind of been a bit of a sweet spot. So, I mean, really, that idea it's it's not too uh, too different than the the video uh, transcoding company, but it's really broadening it out. So now we deal with I mean, video, audio, documents, 3D files, um, geometry, all that kind of stuff. And it's, so what we're doing is it's kind of a, um, I mean, it's a data platform, but for unstructured data. So really mm-hmm. any file-based data, um, it's kind of a parallel universe to the SQL kind of data platform folks like the Snowflakes now, and Fivetrans and stuff like that. So for our listeners, let's talk for a minute about what un, unstructured data is. Yeah. Because I don't think everybody realizes that. Um, I'm a software developer, so I get it. But can you explain yeah. a little more about what unstructured data means? I mean, the typical way I, I sort of think about it is, I mean, structured data is typically rows and columns like a spreadsheet. I mean, so it's like your Google Sheet is, I mean, there's a structure to it, which is typically the rows and columns. Unstructured data is kind of anything else that can live in a file. Um, it could be log data. Um, it could be images. It could be documents. Um, it's almost this huge bucket that's kind of like everything but SQL <laughs> or everything yeah. but a normal. Yeah. yeah and, and, and the simplest example of that is like a bunch of PDF files, right? Like yeah, you think about yeah. like, take all the invoices that come out of the electric company and yep. we get all these PDF files and we need to do something with them or whatever, right? Like you just have like files that have text in them. But, and, and it's, it's almost not a database. Mis- yeah. I mean, it's almost a misnomer too, because it's there is a structure in a, in a lot of these files. I mean, you can par- like if you write a parser, there has to be essentially a schema or a format file format. Yep. Um, but the tricky part is there's a million of them. I mean, you have to know how to read a TIFF file versus a, an MP4 versus a PDF, um, and that's really where the trickiness comes in. And that's something I just happen to randomly get a lot of experience with in my career. And it was a way that I, I keep seeing that people, when they try and deal with this type of data, they always start soup to nuts. It's like having to write a compiler just to build your program. And what we're doing is really just trying to take that heavy weight of dealing with this type of data and abstract away the, the parts that's common. And so I've always been a platform guy, always looked at kind of finding those patterns, that kind of 80-20 rule of what's the 80% that we can do that you just do it once and then um, basically refactoring. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do for the data of let's let people plug in the unique parts and let's just take the hard, the hard, messy 80% out of it. So did you have like a specific use case that you were focused on when you decide to start this? That like, oh, I have a buddy that is doing mm-hmm. this specific thing and I'm going to go start a company and help them with this exact use case or like. It was a bit, it was a bit broader. I mean, which is, I think it's, I had been at like four or five companies where we were trying to build a platform like this. I mean, to, to deal with unstructured data in the drone space, in the sports data space, like computer vision for sports. Um, even I was at General Motors working on uh, data from the cruise vehicles. Um, there was uh, this format called Rossbag format, which is from robotics format. And everybody's DIYing this whole problem, um, this whole process. And I started it when, after I was a GM, I, I was like, I could just, I could build this. I mean, I could, I could take all my learnings from the past and like, why couldn't I just do like a media management system for any kind of media in industry? And so it's not, it's very different where the media is not for our eyeballs to get onto Netflix. It's media that's typically ends up in some sort of um, machine learning algorithm. 
Um, but you also need to be able to visualize it, like preview it, um, search on it and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was really with the first, I was thinking of starting this company even, it was about five years ago when I left GM, but then kind of got bounced through a bunch of like CTO jobs and things. But it really came back around where I tried to build it or we had started building it at like three or four different companies. And I was like, God, why? I mean, this has to be, there has to be value here. Like somebody needs to go do this. Um, so I raised a seed round about a year ago. Um, being a developer, I'd started writing the code for it probably about four years ago. And I was actually thinking of building a podcast discovery platform where it would basically take podcasts, kind of spider them, run audio transcription on them, and then uh, basically sort of spider <clears throat> the entities, the people, places, things that are talked about in the podcast to create kind of a web um, uh, that, that was searchable. And so I had actually built that um, for, spent a couple of years, um, just kind of nights and weekends building that. And that actually became the IP that started, that I put into this company. Um, so I had all this knowledge graph, um, data ingestion and data enrichment stuff already built. And we had enough to get going. And so I was able to grab a team of folks that I'd worked with before and mostly front end developers, since that's the part I hate. And so it's, uh, they, I mean, really that, that was kind of able to complement and, and start building this out for real. So how, what was it like raising capital? So d did you have any other, uh, founders, partners when you started this or just you? Um, so there are two founding engineers and myself. Okay. And so they're really good front end engineers. I mean, I've built front end in the past, but it's just, I'm a much more back end guy. And then we grabbed, I think three other people at the time, um, that were folks we had worked with before, um, like our head of QA and ops and, um, UX and things like that. And so we just hit the ground running. And I mean, we'd already been working at a previous company together. Um, and so when, when we all kind of, the few of us left that company and started the, um, started Unstruck and then put the band back together, basically. So what was the, what was the process like with raising capital? Was that a nightmare? Yeah, and, and how was that in Seattle? I mean, what, what's. I was, um, well, I was in Los Angeles at the time. So we just moved back to Seattle. Um, we'd been away for a few years. Just um, So I was in LA, but it was during COVID. And so it was all mm -hmm. on Zoom. Um, it actually, I think, democratized the whole process that it was probably easier than having to go up to the Bay Area and, and all that kind of stuff. I was working for a company in the Bay, commuting up from LA to, to the Bay before COVID, um, but started raising money totally, um, totally virtually. So, I mean, it was, it was interesting. So I had bootstrapped my last company, so I hadn't raised before, um, but... I had a great group of people from, I mean, CEO of my previous company and connections I'd made over the years. Um, and so we were able to put the piece together. I mean, it, I don't know if it was easier or harder than other people. I mean, it was definitely challenging, um, but it's all a kind of, once you get one, it kind of triggers and it's a, yeah. this kind of building effect. And, um, and we're actually in the middle of a, a seed extension fundraise right now, which uh, is, I mean, it's, you get, it's good to get the feedback, but then, really just getting to the point of commitment and triggering and getting to that thing where we're literally weeks away from all this closing right now. So it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's always a struggle and it's, I mean, it's never easy. So, but. so for our listeners out there that are, that are much like you that are entrepreneurs that are thinking about raising capital, you know, I'm curious, how, what would you say, like what percentage of your time do you end up these days over the last few weeks, mm -hmm. like doing this? Is it like 80% of your time is dealing with this crap? It's interesting. Um, it goes in waves and I'm classically like more of a, I'll do business stuff during the day and I'll code at night. And so I'm more of a, a night owl. Um, so I do all my meetings in the day, have my team meetings, do fundraising stuff during the day. Um, it goes in waves. Like, I mean, I've met probably three dozen 
maybe or more investors in the last two months. Um, I mean, they're usually half hour calls, maybe 45 minute calls. And it's, I mean, it adds another, I don't know, few, maybe I'll, let's just say another five to 10 hours a week of calls um, for that. But I think it's, um, I mean, it's great to, it, it's amazing how much the story gets refined, even over a couple months. Yeah. Like even when, I mean, when we started thinking about it, like in December, um, you think you have your, <laughs> like uh, all your stuff together and you think you're like, oh, I get this down and the story plays out well. And now I look back and I'm like, I don't know how, how the hell we were even talking about it then because it just is so much smoother after doing it 20 or 30 times. Um, and the one big thing is we actually paid money to a, a firm to redo our investment deck, which was some of the best money we ever spent. And it's like, even the one we kind of reused the one from last year. And now if I look at the new one that we have, and we spent a lot of time on that, that actually was a big time suck, but man, it, the, the messaging then to drive that into marketing and drive that into all the other stuff. Like you got to have that message really clean and tight. Um, and we had some great, our existing investors actually gave us just amazing feedback and it was just like, I mean, edit, edit, edit. And, and we have a really, really tight, clean story right now. Well, and as cool. a, you know, potential investor, you know, getting that, that pitch, like it's gotta be super clean and clear yep. and understandable. And, and I think most people, they just go, they just, they say way too much. Like yeah. as, as the investor, just like, I need to know like the three things and do I trust you? Do I understand mm -hmm. this industry? Is this a big enough opportunity? Am I ever going to get my money back? Like they're pretty simple questions that everybody wants answered and everything else almost doesn't yeah. matter as much. Right. And, but people like way oversell so much complexity behind all of it. it it's really true. And I mean, I think I'm lucky that, I mean, I'm a little older than probably the, I mean, the average startup investor right now. I mean, I startup, I mean, founder, I mean, I'm not just right out of Stanford and in my twenties anymore. So it's like, I think, at this point, they call it like founder market fit. I mean, if, if I have anything, I have that because I've just happened to have been doing this for the last 20 years. I mean, it's just always well, been a sweet spot. Yeah. I, I don't know how old you are, but from everything that I've ever heard, the average age of a founder for like really successful companies yeah. is actually about 45 years old. Yeah. It's not yeah. 20. And that's what I see. I mean, I'm, I'm now just, I mean, in my early 50s now, but it's like, it, I mean, have already done a company for a dozen years and I mean, have the learnings from that yeah. and bootstrapping. And then it was good. I mean, I got five years in the industry just being at other companies, but I was ready to do it again. Um, the, the most successful founders are, are, are people like us that we've yeah. been around different industries for 10, 20, you know, plus years. We see the problems that need to be solved, just like yourself. Right? Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I can solve this problem and yeah. I'm just crazy enough to think that I can actually do it. And you I'm going to go start risk, a company. Yeah. That risk tolerance. I mean, I think I, I lean way high on the risk tolerance scale. And so, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. You can't, you've got to be a little crazy and a little, I mean, you can't be too conservative to do this because, I mean, but also it's, it's actually, I did my first startup when my kids were little and now, I mean, my youngest is 21 and he's actually working for us as a QA engineer now. Nice. And so I, I mean, it's, but it's like, I actually have more time now than I did when my, my well, last Wait a company. second. <laughs> His job is to find bugs in dad's code. It is true. Right? Well, most of these, I know. Uh, he's, <laughs> I he, he's only finding code in the front end, in the front end code that I don't write. My code's perfect. So. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I hate front end. <laughs> so, so tell me about, this is a great story. I love it. So um, who is like, tell us about like who, you know, example of your customers today and how they're using yeah. your product. So like so give us a case study. 
Yeah, I mean, one that's really interesting is we talked to an aerial survey company um, in December. We met them and it's they're flying around. I mean, they're capturing data for like the Forest Service or the Park Service, um, doing things like uh, wildfire and wildlife um, analysis. And the problem they have is it's they're literally capturing the data. They're, they're technologically savvy in their own subject matter expertise, like they're researchers, um, but they're keeping their data on SharePoint. I mean, they're keeping, they have like all this data they're capturing. They're, they're treating it like office documents, but it's like Mm -hmm. images, point clouds, all this kind of other data and their concept of search. And I've heard this even like at Chevron that I talked to, when you say search to them, they're like, oh, you mean like the app by file name? Like that's the only way that they're thinking. They're not thinking semantics of what is this image looking like? Where is it geospatially? Where is it in time? Um, And that's what we really bring to the table is we're creating an index that goes across all those different axes. It it creates a tagging taxonomy and this knowledge graph um, to basically, I mean, you can then really just whittle down a big haystack into a smaller and smaller haystack and do analytics on it, get alerting and things like that. And so um, this customer, I mean, two of the, the, Number one, it's a data, it's a pure data management solution where they just needed to become cloud native, um, really make their data more actionable, but also get um, search over a longer range of time because they typically would think about things in a per flight basis, not like, hey, show me all the dams I've flown over in the last three years. And to answer questions about your data, it's manual. I mean, DIY is like right. the only thing they can really do. And that's really where we're trying to step in is. And when, when we hear people that have manual kind of clunky processes, processes that um, like a like a maintenance engineer looking for problems while they're walking around their plant. Um, typically, I mean, I've heard of people, they're literally taking pictures of their mobile phone, they're printing them out and putting them on the wall to triage their data. And just by streamlining that and being like, hey, we can, you set up these triggers and we can set up computer vision algorithms to be like, oh, there's water pooling, there's a crack, and then just alert you on Teams. I mean, mm-hmm. just to compress that time, um, it's, I think one of the, the assumptions that I get, especially from a lot of investors is that everybody's a snowflake, that it's, it's just a problem. Everybody's problem is different. And what well, I say is, oh, well, it, I was going to yeah. well, say, so there's, there, there's such a, um, a new wave of all this stuff. I think partially some of it, like to what you're describing is because of, of drones and stuff, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, at, at our company full scale, we've, we've done some, some work for some clients that do do drones to like take pictures of crops yep, that's part of or it. construction yeah. sites and stuff like that. Exactly. Right. So if you're taking pictures of, of crops, of course you, you know what data it is, but from those yep. pictures, if you can analyze the pictures, you know, like, Hey, what percentage of it is green and what's the health of the crop and like all these, yep. you know, things that you can get, but then it's like, okay, what do we do with that data later? Right. right. Like, like then they could feed that data into your system and mm-hmm. be able to chart it over time. It's like, okay, on this date, it was this percent yep. of green or this percent, you know, this percent of healthy or whatever. Right. And, and chart all this stuff out over time and then build some dashboards and build some intelligence on it and then set up alerting or whatever. Exactly. Like and, and there's a it's million same, different it's the same problem with like SQL data warehouses. I mean, it's like, we're kind of warehousing this data, but then you got to make it actionable. I mean, you got to be able to do stuff with it and trigger it and generate all the other set of insights. And that's where doing that for the unstructured data side, especially with, I mean, doc, dealing with documents is different than images is different than point clouds having a canonicalized kind of system that you can then kind of bring anything into and then get one kind of stream of data out that you can really action on. So, I mean, that's, that's really our focus. It it sounds like the same complexity of setting up a new company 
And if you're setting up a new business and maintaining compliance, it's not easy. That's why it's important to have expert help along the way. And that's exactly what you'll find if you visit unregistered uh, universalregisteredagents.com for all your business setup and maintenance needs. They can help you set up an LLC, corporation, nonprofit, wherever you are located. In addition to helping you create the right kind of entity, universalregisteredagents.com can also help you with registered agent services, a wide variety of corporate services, as well as helping meet the needs of independent directors. I don't like dealing with any of that kind of stuff. So having somebody to help me do that sounds awesome. Um, so how often do you end up working with your clients kind of like on a consulting basis? And Mm -hmm. so let me preface it with saying like data itself is awesome, but it is kind of completely useless unless you can get some kind of insights out of it. Right. It's trying to get the, the signal from the noise. Exactly. So my last company, um, we did application performance monitoring for software and it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a data product. We took yep. billions of data points a day and it's like, okay, so what? We got billions of data points a day. What do we do with this crap? Right. And, and it, like you mentioned earlier, all about actionable insights, like mm-hmm. useful information that I can actually go do something with. So, I mean, do you end up spending a lot of time like doing some consulting and stuff with it, with your potential customers to say, okay, <clears throat> you've got some ideas, but we know a lot about this shit and you can do 20 yeah. more things than you even thought about. And do you end up doing like a lot of professional services and consulting too? I mean, we're, it's an interesting point. I mean, so we're, I mean, we're still early enough that, I mean, we're trying to make it more like a no code kind of self-service environment Sure. so that, I mean, it's, we really don't have to be involved at that level, but we're actually looking to partner with people that are those kind of data firms that are the kind of last mile to the customer that can help. I mean, essentially, I mean, build them computer vision models or connect up their alerts to their ecosystem or something like that. So there is a bit of that glue that I think, I mean, one of the, one of the personas that we're looking at right now is that service provider um, persona that, I mean, of how can we work well with the folks that are really touching the customer? So more a B2B2B scenario. Um, Our app is really aimed at more of a, a data analyst persona today. And so it's really, I mean, no code, no true ML knowledge or developer knowledge, just dump your data in and use it like Tableau or ThoughtSpot or something like that. Um, and then, but we see this extensibility to um, uh, the ML um, front of like, we can be a data prep platform to other ML tools, um, or we can, I mean, eventually just be like, hey, use us as a headless service through our APIs. And that may be something where somebody might be putting together a bigger um, solution set and they just want to drive us kind of headless um, through that. And that's where we're, I mean, we're trying to find people um, in that space who rather than us maybe doing consulting, we would find a partner who would do that consulting for the customer. And then they could sort of build around us in in that ecosystem. Yeah, I could see there being a lot of industry specific solutions that, you know, for example, it's like, oh, we take photos of roofs or whatever right and yep. like, hey, we got to analyze all these photos and figure out do they have hell damage or not have hell damage and like oh whatever the things are they want to do right exactly and, and that, that was a, the company i was cto of previously that was their forte with the drones was like hail damage on roofs for insurance and things like mm-hmm. that um but the thing if you look at it is just all the pure data management data ingestion database storage search that has nothing to do if you're looking at a roof or agriculture so it's really the part, and this is back to the point of a lot of the investors I've talked to, and I mean, at least some of them, their first initial reaction is, isn't this just like too, like it's not generalizable enough? Like, isn't everybody different? And I'm like, look, I mean, 
it's still a JPEG. I mean, it's still an MP4 file. The metadata in the file is still standardized to some level. It's the semantics of what you're look what the image is looking at that's different, and that's what's per customer. And it's then what it means is the ML models are really the unique part. And so that's what we're trying to develop an ecosystem of, look, we can get you really close and then plug in either, good, if you're savvy enough, here, go build one yourself and plug it back in. We have an auto ML solution that we're delivering that, I mean, you can be, don't really know anything other than just drawing bounding boxes and we can build it for you. Um, or, I mean, we can basically hand off to other ML tools because um, really that's where we see is, that's where the secret sauce comes down that um, everything else, once you do that and bring the data back to the system, it's stored in this canonical fashion. So you can search on it no matter if you ran a computer model in um, RoboFlow or Azure or AWS or Clarify or anything, you could have all of these models running from different um, systems and pull them back into a canonical knowledge graph. And that's really the value we're bringing. Yeah. So, if I, so if you're taking pictures of, of crops or something and just mm -hmm. uploading like random jpegs of crops so do they then go back in your product and and then have to like tag the photos and say okay if it looks like this it's soybeans if it looks like this it's corn like they and then like so, that's kind of the machine learning part that then happens yeah so we there's some out of the box machine learning we do that we're using azure cognitive services today so we'll do a, a first pass of tagging of and it but it's it's, I mean, it's generalized model. So it's going to find like a building, a, mm -hmm. uh, um, like tree or something, but it's not going to be like, this is a soybean. Um, so to get the knowledge of, oh, this is truly a soybean, you need some custom ML. So with auto, you can do that with auto ML where the customer can tag their soybeans and say, we're delivering, basically this is our big feature coming out next month is tag 20 or 25 soybeans, hit go. Mm -hmm. We do everything else yeah. and then we deploy it back in their system. And then every other image that we see that has a soybean in it, will you will get a soybean tag. Um, well, and, and the challenge of that is actually more complicated too, I would imagine for the customers, because they're going to want to know, like, we just planted the soybeans. It's grown 50%. It's grown 100%. It looks diseased. It looks like whatever, right? Like that. And, and that's where all the complexity of this gets into is, yeah. is building all that in. But then at, this, at the end of this, you get something like, super amazing like dashboard you can build of mm -hmm. knowing like what percentage of our farm has grown this much and it's healthy and whatever right like it's pretty cool stuff you can do and if you can if you can bring it back to a baseline and say look i mean we can we can figure out i mean we know the date the image was taken we know if it's tagged with a soybean we can track those over those trends over time um the biggest thing is know it like we, we can't be like oh it's this soybean plant that's grown 50 percent like that's hard yeah. to do yeah but we can do sort of trend analysis and we can do different things but then the other goal is we do have plans to kind of map this back to the the geospatial world where we can know that oh okay this is actually in this area of the world and then we can track that specific area and have it evolve over time and so maybe even show like a 3D version of it and then show heat maps or something of, oh, here's how the, I mean, this, um, the data set has evolved. So there's a whole bunch of data visualization stuff. Um, and it's a, it's a multi-year process. I mean, we're, we're taking a pretty big swing here that you got to start with ingestion. I mean, you got to start with just getting search and filter and all that stuff working and then integrated processing. Um, and we're just at the point now where we have the processing integrated and we have the alert engine going in, um, this quarter, I guess the quarter's done today, but well, um, so next month. Um, and that then unlocks a ton of potential because now you could be like, Hey, hit me on Slack whenever I see a soybean or something like that. And, and then tell me, and then, or, sh and then sh or show me your daily report. 
in email of all the soybeans that we captured in the last seven days. Like we now have all the pieces in place to, to make that possible. Well, and what most people don't realize is how complicated some of this stuff is that doesn't necessarily change the product. Like, so for example, mm-hmm. we talk about data ingestion, like you could spend forever trying to build like a data ingestion pipeline that performs well and scales and all that. But the end user doesn't see that. They don't appreciate that. And it's the hidden kind of shit. Like when you're building software that you like spent months building this thing that nobody understands. Like you, like you go to your investors, like we got to go build an ingestion pipeline. Like Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Um, But I've built one before, so I appreciate it. You know, at my company, we, we ingested billions of data points of data Mm -hmm. And when you start ingesting a large amount of data for a lot of clients, you have to worry about, well, what if these people send us like 100,000 JPEGs right now, but somebody else just sent us 50,000 audio files to process? Like, how do I ingest all this stuff? And oh, by the way, everybody wants everything in real time, right? Right, So like trying to handle the load and the performance and like where you store that data and the scalability of all of it is not very hard if you're dealing like maybe with one client and one project. Right. But when right. you're trying to build a multi-tenant SaaS product like yours, mm-hmm. those are big challenges that yeah. people I mean, don't appreciate. together with an S3 bucket and a Lambda function and I mean, maybe some kind of queue or something. I mean, there's ways to like, you can whip together a prototype of a, of a pipeline. Yeah. But then it's, hey, okay, well, I mean, do you want to have permissioning on that? Do you want to use Azure and GCP and S3? And like, you do you want to do machine learning sometimes? And sometimes I don't. And then, yeah, it's like, oh, but you're that one, if you have that one model you're running, but what if you want to run a model from another company too? And it's yeah. just, I mean, it's, and that's where we're trying to take all that heavy lifting away. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a classic platform as a service solution. Yeah. Where we're just, it's a refactoring of hard stuff you're pushing down and you're standing on top of it. And that's really what we're trying to do for customers yep. that, I mean, we're sitting on top of Azure, just the way that Azure sits on top of Intel. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you want your like, customers to log in and have these like beautiful dashboards. Yeah. But the real work is all done in the backside that nobody sees. Yeah. And, yep. that, and, and that's the reality of products like this and, and products I've built in the past. It's like 90% of all the hard work was in data ingestion, aggregation. Like you send yep. us a trillion data points. We have to make it so you can load that in like one second when you load the mm-hmm. dashboard. And nobody appreciates like all the work that goes into to make all this data like fast and to load. Yeah. And that's why it's, I mean, and it takes a little while. I mean, we've been going just a year now and we're still pre-revenue. I mean, we're still just getting there just up to go to market. But I mean, we kind of started, we thought we could sort of sell in Q4, just more of a search view kind of interface on the data. But it's like the actional part was was really the, pe- the part people wanted and they needed bespoke ML. Like we, it's, it's like the out of the box Azure stuff. Um, we knew, we thought we could sort of like, they would be somewhat useful to see like generic thing, generic tags. But what we realized is no, no, it's, they need to say their stuff. Like they need to see that, like a dam or um, an animal or this truck, like it's all in that last mile. And mm-hmm. so that's why we really doubled down this quarter and the team just busted butt, just getting all of this new, we, a ton of new features. We redid the UX um, and that's, we're considering this next month is really like our true launch. Um, and if, I think this now will have the product that we can really, um, get to market with, um, it was just, a, it was a bit too light on MVP in Q4. And it's as much as you, everybody says, Hey, try and sell the minimum, sell the minimum. But in this market, like 
there's just a bucket of stuff you have to have before it really becomes viable. And so we kind of learned, and that was the tough part. I mean, we learned where we were in October, November, just wasn't viable. But then again, we'd only been going for six or seven months, which isn't, isn't a lot either. Well, and you have the kind of product where there's a lot of different paths you could take, right? You could be like, okay, we're like a database. You send us the data and we'll show you, you know, dashboards about the data. Yep. But odds are they send you the data, but they need to do a lot of like analysis on the data and stuff to like improve the quality of the data mm-hmm. first, right? And then put it in your system. But then it's like, okay, who does that? Do they do that or do right. you do that? And that's like a professional service or consulting or like yeah. an integration project, right? You're like, okay, we're going to do this three month long project where you send us all these photos and we'll build the machine learning and we'll do all the tagging. But that's like a lot of yeah. work. Like no, you're no longer just like the data storage of just send us the data. Now you're yeah. having to do all this other work on top of it, right? And so yeah. as a business, you almost have to decide like which path do you go down? Does that make sense? Yeah, and, it, and it's, I mean, and we, I mean, I've done that kind of professional services consulting as part of the product before and previous company. And it's like, I, I'm trying to stay away from it a little bit just because it's, what you get into is, sure, it's, it's easy money at the start, but it's hard to generalize the product. It's to hard make, to if you're scale. Really, yeah, and you to scale into like, I mean, I'm really trying to make this more like a Databricks, Snowflake kind of yeah. de facto standard for unstructured data. And so you, it's really, I mean, you kind of have to take a big swing and say, look, I mean, it's we need to wait until we can do it for everybody and not just get sucked up with one or two projects. Um, and thankfully, I mean, the investors have been really patient with it. And we're actually, I mean, as I said, raising now. But that's why we kind of saw, look, I mean, we didn't raise a ton last year, but we'll do a seed extension now. Really, I mean, just get more in the box and then really push hard on go to market because you have to realize that, I mean, when you're selling a platform like this, I mean, it's not a quick win. I mean, none of Databricks, and I mean, I listened to the, um, I think it was Ali uh, Godsey, like said, I mean, it took a couple of years for them just to kind of get sticky. And and any of these big swing kind of products like this, like it's not, you're not going to see results in, in 12 months. I mean, it's going to well, take and, a lot of time. And that's the thing. You have to find your niche, right? Like you yep. figure out, like you build something in some sense, it could be like this universal tool. It's like, oh, we can take any unstructured data and we could do anything. But eventually you may center around like, oh, well, we, we really do really well with video files or audio right. files or images or drone images or whatever, right? It's like we built all this special stuff for machine learning that's more computer vision related. So it's mm-hmm. better for JPEGs or video files or something. And, and then it's, and it's like sometimes you just have to find your way, right? You kind of figure out like what your niche is. And the good thing is it's, it's easy, to, easy to pivot when you have a platform. I mean, yeah. if we wanted to build a vertical app on top of it and that made us the same amount of money we we're going to make anyway, I don't care. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I think you're, we may find one or two kind of vertical solutions that are our niche that blow up. I don't know. I mean, but until then, we're going to, we're going to really focus on building a wide platform because I really do think there's, it's not just two or three verticals that we can approach. I mean, I think it's, it's dozens. And I mean, and especially the big thing for us is, I want to evolve it into like the knowledge hub of the organization because correlating all the data together is when it really gets interesting. And we pitched a lot of like, look, you could have a tag in a document and in a spoken word on a Zoom call and seen in an image. And we can connect that in the knowledge graph. And like, that's unique. I mean, nobody can do that. And then be able to connect those entities that we pull out to external data. Like, oh, here's a record in an SAP um, database or a SQL database or something like that. Um, that's when you start to really, truly spider out through your organization and be like, you could then pull and pivot on any of those angles and start to be like, well, show me, 
I mean, all the recent drone images for this um, manufacturing, like a piece of manufacturing plant, and but you can query it by the SAP record and get to the drone data and maybe build a 3D model of that from that. Like just to be able to connect all those pieces up yeah. is I mean, incredibly valuable. So, so you guys use a graph database? Yeah, so we're um, so we're all Azure uh, backend right now. So it's uh, Azure Cosmos DB, and then um, uh, Cognitive Search. Um, we kind of I built sort of a hybrid. It actually uses the SQL API, the Gremlin API, and Cognitive Search in kind of a hybrid way. So for those who aren't uh, aware, a graph database is kind of a a newer type of database that relates like entities to each other. So like as you said earlier, like think about feeding a, a bunch of text, you know, PDFs and like even could be audio files or all these things, right? And they find Matt Watson in all of them, right? And then you're able to create those relationships of like, okay, this file links to this file, which links, like you build like a graph, like a mm -hmm. tree almost of how all the things relate to each other. And um, which is and the great cool stuff. You can keep enriching that over time. So once you have the data in there, it's not static. I mean, so now you can run more and more algorithms on it. And then you can even infer sort of like clusters of tags like oh you're seeing we could cluster in time we can cluster geospatially we can cluster in this kind of tagging concept and that's i think where I, I i can't wait till we can get to a point where we can start running algorithms on the graph as a whole to mm -hmm. do like similarity search and um i mean like say hey that's weird 20 percent of your data over here doesn't it has all these common properties but it doesn't have this tag and so do you want to auto tag like with this tag because like maybe so there's all this kind of data quality data lineage question yeah. and, and um, part, you know, part of your challenge gets to uh, are you creating a product that's generic for everybody or creating an industry specific solution right as you mentioned mm -hmm. and there was a Kansas, a company in Kansas City called Claim Kit which I think sold recently and I'm pretty sure it's related to all this they were scanning PDF files of I think it was insurance claims or, or it's like legal documents. They were, they were scanning legal documents to understand like all the legal like language that yeah. was in the documents. Like, what did we promise? What are we on the hook for? Right. And like have to scan all these PDFs, all these legal documents, and then basically get the metadata out of them to know yeah. like, Hey, we have thousands of these legal agreements that we, you know, we agreed to if like you're an insurance company or whatever, right? Like all these policies and then building like, a database on top of that to know yeah. like all the policies that exist and what did we promise and what were the terms. And like, that's kind of an example of like an industry specific, mm -hmm. similar kind of solution. Right. And I think it's, I mean, then there there's overlap where, I mean, anytime you're creating structure from sort of the quote unstructured data. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, we could probably never support that full solution, but we could probably carve away 68% of the hard work yeah. where our goal would be is like, okay, cool. We'll handle the data storage, the search, the query, the, um, the all that, the scale, all those things will 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 give you that. If you want to now add your own, just APIs or compute or any kind of computer, whatever, and say we can trigger you, and it's like, hey, we have a new PDF, and we've done a first pass of of um, analysis on it. We can say, oh yeah, that we we can at least sense it's like an insurance form or whatever. Yeah. You can then do the bespoke part yourself. And so our goal, our, our hope is a company would start with us building vertical products and they would only have to build that last 20% right. and not have to build all this junk. It's like, we don't buy, I mean, nobody writes their own database. I mean, nobody writes their own cloud stack. And so we're just trying to be another layer in that right. stack that 
essentially just is like, I mean, you could go into the Salesforce ecosystem and write an app in the Salesforce ecosystem and you get all this other power and all this data modeling and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Essentially the same thing we're trying to do here. And, yeah. And, and, a, and a good example of that, I think it's important for our listeners to understand, right? Like as you're building a platform, you're not necessarily building the the you know a product you're building it's kind of like i'm building a database and like somebody's got to yeah. do something with it right and like back to the claim cut example it's like they kind of built a product where they could have built used your platform right it might have saved them a lot of headaches of like hey we use their platform mm-hmm. to get all this data ingest it like that was the big problem and and tag it and find all the information we need and then we were able to build like yep. the business intelligence and like the final product on top of the platform and that's exactly, I mean, we, we talked to a power company, which I mean, would be crazy to think a power company is doing computer vision, but they are, and they're doing it like to identify um, the metal tags on wooden power poles. And basically they were writing their own computer vision to basically do text to text extraction mm-hmm. from that. And, but when you talk to them, like they literally had to build soup to nuts, like a queuing system with Kafka, a data ingestion yeah. system, a database, like all this junk and they built it from scratch. And so they had to waste time oh yeah dev team effort so but if we had been ready and this i met them probably almost two years ago at this point but we could say look i mean here just start with us here's a like here's a bucket use provisioned or for your customers dump data in there configure yep. it to run this kind of ml and then figure out what's left i mean what's the bespoke stuff you guys need to do on top of it and i mean that's i see them as a perfect kind of right. solution provider downstream of like yeah, build on us as a platform as a service, and it cuts away so much heavy lifting. It and as a software developer, part of our problem, right, is we see something we're like, oh, we could build that. Like, yeah. I could do that this weekend. I'll put it in an S three bucket, and I'll use AWS Lambda, and I'll do this, and then I'll get the metadata, and I'll shove the metadata in my SQL, and then yep. we'll just query my SQL. Like, I don't need this thing, right? And no doubt, there's people that do that, right? But then, then you have people that also are able to realize, like, you know what? I don't want to maintain that thing right? and right. it's not going to scale and it's not going to do these use cases and it doesn't do all this machine learning and it doesn't have all these dashboards. It doesn't have all these alerts. It doesn't, it doesn't have all this cool stuff. Right. But that's part of your, your, your challenge too. I'm sure yeah. with some, some, some of the people you've pitched, they're like, well, I could just build that. And you're like, well, wait, wait, wait. At some point in time, you guys have enough features and product built out. They're like, no, we're not going to build that. It doesn't make any sense. And it has all yeah. these added benefits that, my developer's not going to build over yeah, the weekend. And that's what we're just getting to that tipping point now where it's like, I mean, once you can show off, like, I mean, in this kind of no code, I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to really yeah. follow that kind of no code plan of, look, you don't have to be a developer. I mean, you just go in, it's like Zapier or something like that. You just connect up a couple of things and boom, I mean, you and just right. drop it in and it works. Um, and so it, it is, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see how this has evolved. And I think it's, I mean, it does take some learnings for people to kind of catch up. Um, because I think it were we're a little bit early, probably for the market to really understand it. But all the signals are there. Like I mean, you're hearing all the podcasts about by 2025 the amount of data that's going to be at, I mean getting pumped through on structured data, and I mean everybody's kind of overlooking this area because it's all about the structured world right now. And that's why I mean I'm just trying to sort of beat it, beat the wave there. Yeah, um, and that's I mean, but I think it's uh, just getting that market acceptance is key. Well, and there's been a lot of players that have been doing unstructured data, but it's mostly been on text data, right? Like Splunk yeah. and, and companies mm-hmm. like that. But it's totally yeah. different when you're dealing with uh, media files, right? Like like you yeah. mentioned earlier, like 
I'm sure the government does this, like yeah. transcribing like audio files and figuring out, oh, they're talking about Vladimir Putin or whatever, right? Yeah, like yeah. I'm guaranteed that, you know, the government does this kind of stuff and there's tools that do it. But the question is, are there tools that, you know, a normal business would do and right. and has the market got to a place where people need more of that kind of thing, right? And you can provide a, a platform well, to do like it. A- like an otter.ai or one of those when it's like can um, transcribe your zoom calls right. or what's the one uh, uh gong i think does this for like sales calls yeah um, there's a lot of them i mean essentially like they would have to build a lot of the similar ecosystem of mm-hmm. i mean running some like data ingestion searchability running it running some sort of analysis and i'm sure every one of those companies has something that looks kind of like what we built right um, but it's like okay well, what about company four, five, and six that are coming down the road next year. Right. And they, I mean, our goal is to basically say, look, I mean, here's another layer of the stack that you can just uh, build on. And and then really, hopefully that lets people innovate more where they're not wasting the time the first right. year of their company. I mean, it's like I lived in the on-prem of I was, Yeah, I was setting up servers at the at the Colo and stuff. Like, I don't want to have to do that again. So we, we love, I mean, living on top of Azure just the way we hope companies will love living on top of us. Yep. So. Well, very cool, man. Um, Once again, a big thank you to today's uh, sponsor, Universal Registered Agents. Set up your new business and maintain all aspects of your business compliance. Their goal is to make your job easier so you can focus on what you do best, running your business. Connect with them by visiting the link in our show notes. It's like the same pitch for you. It's like, hey, you don't (laughs) want to deal with building your own damn ingestion pipeline and how you process all these files. Let us do it and build intelligence on top of it, right? Like, yeah, it's. Beautiful. I mean, it's really like starting the company. That um, there's so many great tools out there. I mean, like like that, but just for for banking and for I mean, credit cards and all this for the company. It's it's now it's almost like the business has gotten refactored. Like it's, yeah. you can basically have your business stood up with best of class ecosystem for the business in a day, and and it's uh, it's been really fun to see. Very cool. Well, what, um, as we wrap up the show here, any advice to business owners about their data? I think, I mean, don't hold back in terms of what you think it's capable of. I think it's is the biggest thing. Like I've sort of seen there's almost a glass ceiling of people don't realize they can do as much with their data as they can, um, especially around, I mean, they may think, oh, I can just search by file name or in a folder. And there's new ways out there to get more value out of your data and analyze it better. So I think um, try and learn. I mean, educate yourselves with podcasts and blog posts and stuff like that. And there's a... There's a lot more out there than um, than probably people realize is possible. All right. Very cool, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today and nerding out with me a little bit about data. I'm, I'm also a data nerd. So uh, very, very cool stuff. And I hope everybody um, learned some things today. Thanks so much. Appreciate being here. All right. Thank you, sir. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.